you can have a seat. We're continuing our series on the parables of Jesus Christ. Last week we started um, on the uh, parable of the ten virgins, and I talked about the idea that uh, that particular parable is near the end of the life of Christ. It's part of what we call the Mount Olivet Discourse. And it's basically an answer where Jesus is, is answering the question of when are you going to come back and what's it going to look like uh, so we know and we can be ready. And Jesus pivots that question. And when Jesus answers them, he use, answers them in parables. And one of the parables last week that we looked at was the parable of ten virgins. And basically Jesus is saying this. First of all, don't worry about the time and what it looks like. What you need to worry about is that you're ready when I come. And so we talked about the idea of, first of all, making sure that you have oil in your lamp. We talked about that symbolic of the Holy Spirit, the idea that you're a Christian. And then the idea that you're ready as a Christian. Because you never know either when the Lord will come back or when your time will end. Um, yesterday, uh, Josh and I uh, were headed out to Ponca. And in order to do the, uh, the show... Uh, we had to be there at 6 o'clock to fire up the furnace for, for the glass bowl. So we left here about 5 o'clock yesterday morning. And on the way out, I told Josh, I said, well, we'll stop in Jackson and we'll grab some ice. And so we pulled into Jackson uh, in the little gas station there to get ice. And as we pulled in, we realized the lights were off. So we waited, truck went by, we got back on the road. It's maybe 60, 90 seconds tops uh, out of our way. Uh, and we got just outside of Jackson. Again, this is just about 5.45, 5.30 in the morning. Um, as we just got outside of Jackson, uh, there's a guy that comes running at us down the middle of the road waving his arm. And so we slowed down, and we started to realize there was a car in a the ditch there, and there was another car up ahead that was sitting literally straight across the middle of the road. And so we got up close and pulled off to the side to see if anybody was in, in the car in the middle of the road because uh, all of the airbags had gone off, the car was totaled. And uh, as we got there, uh, then we started flagging down traffic for everybody to stop. We got a hold of the sheriff to get them on the way. And uh, fortunately, uh, the, there were two dogs in one of the cars that had run away at one point, and that was about the worst to, to that vehicle. The other vehicle, the guy had... Uh, uh, messed up his leg pretty well and, and was bleeding a little bit, but they were able to get that under control. So Josh has worked with him. I was, I was trying to help the other gal get doors open to, to check on the animals and stuff like that. So um, anyway, so we got that to We got the sheriffs there. Once the sheriffs got there, then we gave them our information. We took off. We got ready to get in a punk. I told Josh, I said, you know, I said, I don't know if you realize it or not, but I said, we stalled for 90 seconds. I said, I don't know what it would have been had we not pulled into Jackson for 90 seconds. I said, I don't know if we would have been in the middle of it. I don't know if we would have been in front of it, if we would have been behind it. I don't know. I said, but our lives could have changed in 90 seconds worth of time. Because we went to get ice, and they were closed. Every day we have to realize that's how close we are, any one of us, to life or death. Every time you pass a car, apparently in this situation, they think that maybe uh, one of the cars, the person had fallen asleep, gone in the other line, and basically, it basically wiped out both sides of both cars. Um, every time you and I drive down the road, we're that close. 
at any moment. So the question is not when's Jesus coming back and what's going to look like. The question is, are you ready whether he comes back or whether you meet him? That's the issue. That's what Jesus is trying to do. So in the parable of the virgins, that's what he, he, he illustrates. This morning, he's going to piggyback on that because actually he ties that parable and this parable together. And this is known as the parable of the ten talents. And we'll get into all of that in a second, but let's read it. It's in Matthew chapter 25. Here's what it says. Again, it'll be like a man going on a journey who called his servants and entrusted his wealth to them. To one, he gave five bags of gold. To another, two bags. To another, one bag. Uh, most versions will say talents. Um, I like the, the NIV here because it just makes it a little simpler for us to understand when we think of bags of gold. It says, then he went on his journey. Oh, he gave each bag according to his ability. Then he went on his journey. The man who had received five bags of gold went at once, put his money to work, gained five more bags. And also the one with two bags of gold gained two more. But the man who had received one bag went off, dug a hole in the ground, hid his master's money. After a long time, the master of those servants returned and settled accounts with him. The man who had received five bags of gold brought the other five. Master, he said. You have entrusted me with five bags of gold. This next word is very important. We're going to talk about this a lot. See, I have gained five more. His master replied, well done, thou good and faithful servant. You've been faithful in a few things. I'll put you in charge of many things. Come, enjoy your master's happiness. The man with two bags of gold came and said, Master, he said, you've entrusted me with two bags of gold. See, I have gained two more. His master said, well done, thou good and faithful servant. You've been faithful over a few things. I'll put you in charge of many things. Come, share your master's happiness. Then the man who received one bag of gold came. Master, he said, I knew you were a hard man, harvesting where you've not sown, gathering where you've not scattered seed. I was afraid. I went and hid your gold in the ground. See, here is what belongs to you. The master replied, you wicked, lazy servant. So you knew that I harvest where I have not sown. You gather where I have not scattered seed. Well, then you should have put my money on deposit with the bankers. So when I returned, it would have received it back with interest. So take the bag of gold from him and give to the one that has ten bags. Whoever has will be given. Whoever has will be given more. And they that have an abundance, whoever does not have, even that which all they have will be taken from them. And throw that worthless servant outside into the darkness, where there will be weeping and gnashing of teeth. So let's talk about the parable. Let's make sure we understand it um, as we get into it. Now, some of you may go, well, haven't we already been through this parable? No, we went through the parable of the ten pounds. The parable of the ten pounds is different than the parable of the ten talents. And here's the difference. Here's some of the differences. In the parable of the pounds, there were ten people who were each given one pound. In this parable, there are three people, and they're given different amounts. So this is a different story. Now, some of the consequences are very similar, but it's a different story here. So what you have is you have this idea of talents. And again, I, I like the NIV just be, in this particular case because bags of gold are an easier way to think about it. When we talk about it, um, there's all kinds of debate over what, what it was and how much it was worth and stuff like that. Here's a biblical conservative idea is this. Um, a, a bag of gold would have been worth about 27 years worth of salary. So you take whatever you make in a year and you multiply it by 27. That's one bag. 
So if you talk about five bags of gold, um, you are talking about 135 years worth of salary. So basically, we're talking about a substantial amount of money. Um, two bags of gold are 54 years worth of salary. One bag of gold is 27 years worth of salary. So we're talking about a very large, substantial amount of money, first of all. Um, you need to understand that the master comes to these guys, and he, he calls them servants. The Greek word is doulos. The idea is this. Everybody was considered a servant. So, for instance, the person who worked your farm, your hired hand, was a servant. Your accountant is a servant. The lawyer that you hire to do stuff for you, that's, he's a servant. So it, it's this general term. What this owner does, what this master does, is he calls in three of his servants, probably people who are good with money, and he says, look, guys, here's what I want you to do. I'm going to give you 100 and, what did I say, 100, I got my numbers wrong, 135 years worth of salary. Um, I'm going to be gone for a while. I want you to take care of this for me. Calls in the second guy, he goes, here's, here's 54 years worth of salary. I want you to take care of this for me. Calls in the third guy, here's 27 years worth of salary. I want you to take care of this for me. I'm going to be gone for a while, and I'm going to come back. As you get into the text, as you look at it in the original language, here's the idea. The idea is that the first two guys go out, and they work very, very diligently at investing and reinvesting and figuring the money out and making this money over a period of time. The third guy... He goes and does what people did if they're scared and, they, and that kind of thing, is they go and they just hide the money. Um, often again, remember the old day? You know, some of you don't. Um, actually, it's before my time even. But, you know, where people would put money under mattresses, you know? I was like, okay, it's safe there until there's a fire. But, yes, okay. Uh, you know, and you have a wood stove in the house. And, you know, but anyway, it didn't make a lot of sense, but it made sense to them at the time. So uh, rather than put it in a bank, because you can't trust banks, but I can trust my mattress. So that was the concept back then, okay? Back then, it was, okay, well, I'll go bury it in the ground. And a lot of times, that's the way that they would handle things like that. What happens is the guy goes, and so the, the, the servants do that thing, and the master takes a long time to come back. But eventually, the master shows up. So now it's a day of accounting. So the first guy walks in, and he goes, Master? You gave me 135 years worth of salary. Here's your money back. And that word C is a very important word because what it does is it conveys to us the attitude. In the original language, it conveys the attitude. And then here's what he said, Master, guess what? I, you're not going to believe this, but you know what I did with that money? I made you another 135 years worth of salary. Here you go. He's excited. He is so excited to be able to present that to the master. Here's what I did for you. You gave me 135. I, I doubled it. I gave you 100% return. Here he goes. You get now that back plus here's another 135. And here's what I did while you were gone. This is what I did. And the master goes, that is so awesome. I can't believe you did that. That is incredible. What an awesome job. I'll tell you what. Tonight we're having a homecoming party and there's a big banquet plan, I want you to come and be a part of it. In fact, because you did so well, here's what I want. You know what? Why don't you come and live on our property? We'll build you a little house and you can be with us for, for, for here on out. This is awesome. You need to come and be a part of it. I was so happy for what you did. Thank you. Second guy comes in. 
You gave me 54 years worth. So here it is. Here it is. Back to you. And, and wait, wait, I've got something else for you. Here's another 54 years worth of salary. Now, by the way, they both, although it's different money amounts, they both had the same return. They both doubled what they had been given. And the master looks at him and he goes, that is awesome. Again, they were given according to their ability. That, so the master knew they were capable of doing this. So the master said, that is so awesome. I'll tell you what, we got a party tonight. I want you to come and be a part of it. And you know what? I am so pleased with what you did. Here's what I want. We're going to take a little part of our acreage. We're going to section it off. We're going to build you a house. And I want you to come and live with our whole family. This is so awesome. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you. Third guy comes in. Master, I know you're a tough old buzzard. In fact, you're kind of crooked. You take stuff that you haven't sown. And you pull stuff away, and a lot of people are scared of you, including me. So what I did, I didn't want to take any risks. I didn't want to lose anything. So what I did is I went and hid your money in the ground. And here, you gave me 27 years worth of salary. Here it is back. Now you take care of it. And the master looks at him and says, you lazy, wicked servant. You've got to be kidding me. I gave you 27 years worth of income and you did nothing with it? You really genuinely believe that I'm hard? If you really genuinely believe that, you would have gone and taken it to the bank. In that time, the Roman culture, if you got a loan, it was usually at about 12%. If you put money in the bank and then kept it for you, you get a 6% return. He said, if you really believed I was hard, if you were really scared of me, at least you would have put it in the bank and I would have gotten 6% interest. But you were too lazy to even do that? And you want to come before me now with a bunch of lame excuses? And you know what? If you really genuinely believe that, that's what you would have done. But you were too lazy to even do anything with what I gave you. And then the master does something that's unbelievable. He takes from the poor and he gives to the rich. Because he says he knows how to handle it. He knows what to do with it. But because you did nothing, get out of here. I don't want to see you. I don't want you to even be around me. Leave now. And he casts him out. Matthew's version talks about the idea of weeping and gnashing of teeth. Throughout the book of Matthew, it's a typical picture of hell. So I think as we talk about this story, as we talk about this parable, we need to understand there are two paths to understand this parable. One path has to do with um, people who are not Christians. One path has to do with people who are Christians. So let me, let me divide them up here a second. 
This parable is not about earning your salvation. Um, some people look at this parable and go, see, it says that you should earn your salvation. You should work your way into heaven. And the guys who got stuff back did it. And that's not what this parable is about. This parable isn't about earning your way of salvation. This parable is about what you do with the opportunities that God gives you. In this case, this person was given an opportunity to obey the master, but he did nothing. He did nothing. Some of you struggle with this whole idea of Christianity. You've never accepted Christ as your Savior. You think that you can earn your way, or you think there's things that you can do to um, get to heaven on your own, or you think that as long as you're sincere and you come to church and you do something, and you jump through some hoops, that, that, that God will someday accept you. You need to understand in this parable, you're the third servant. You need to understand that there's a day of accounting coming when you stand before God and you give all of your lousy excuses. They're not going to make any difference. You go, I don't think a loving God would do that. Let me tell you something. A loving God is just like this master. He's given you a ton of opportunities to accept him. Every time your heart beats, it's an opportunity to accept Christ. Every time you take a breath, it's an opportunity to accept Christ. Every gospel presentation in your ear is an opportunity to accept Christ. Every time the Holy Spirit tugs on your heart, it's an opportunity for you to respond to Jesus Christ. Every time. But if you're going to take and waste those opportunities and say, no, 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 for whatever time you have on this planet, and you stand before God, and God's going to look at you and go, ah, I'll let you in anyway. Go ahead. Be a part of this. He's going to look at you as he did this third servant and say, get out of my sight. You say, but I thought God was loving. God is loving. That's why he went to the cross. You're the one who's taken the opportunity that he's given you and said, no, 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 no. It's not on him, it's on you. And you have to understand that. And, and every time that you reject Christ is another rejection of his opportunity that he gives you. And that's what this story is about. What do you do with the opportunities that are given you? And that's a challenging thought for those of you who are rejecting Christ. And you're going to see this over and over again in these parables, particularly the judgment parables where God says, you need to understand, I'm loving, I'm patient, I'm incredibly patient, but I have a line. And if you don't believe that that's the God of the Bible, then you read it, Genesis to Revelation, come back to me and we'll have a discussion. But you see over and over and over again, the God of the Bible says, there's a line. And I am incredibly patient up to that line. But when you cross that line, it's time for an accounting and it's judgment day. So for those of you who are rejecting Christ, I plead with you. You've given an incredible opportunity. Don't waste it. Put your faith and trust in it. For those of you who are here this morning that are believers, a lot of people look at this passage and they say, this is about the talents that God gives you. This is about the, the gifts and the abilities that God gives you. And it's the idea that you need to take the gifts and the talents that God gives you, and you need to increase them and those kinds of things. I understand why you think that. I understand why, and particularly in the King James, where, where it's 
translated talents. And so we tend to think that way. This isn't about your talents. This is about your opportunities. That's what you need to understand. You need to understand that these are about the opportunities that God gives you as a believer. What do you do with those? What do you do with the opportunities that God puts in front of you as you go through your life? Because that's really the application for it. So a couple of, that, a couple of ideas here. Here's the first one. You need to realize you don't own anything. It's all God's. You are simply a possessor of it. You are not the owner of it. I thought about doing this as an illustration this morning, but I couldn't do this to children. I was going to take some kid's teddy bear and just possess it up here, but I didn't want a screaming child in the auditorium all morning. Um, you know, but again, I'm just simply a uh, possessor of it. I'm not the owner. God simply said, here, you want to use it? I'm, I'm going I'm to give you opportunities. They're not yours, but I'm giving them to you to take care of them, and now I want to see what you're going to do with them. And for some of you, you have incredible opportunities. For some of you, you're like that five-talent guy. I mean, uh, that five-bag-of-gold guy. You, you've got all of these opportunities, and they just keep coming at you and coming at you. You have to sit back and say, what am I going to do with the opportunities that God gives me? It's interesting. In this story, the differences between actually what's invested. I mean, if you look at the numbers in this story, 54 turns into 108, 135 turns into 270. It's not like God goes, hey, the 270 guy, he's going to get a nicer place. The master in this story says the exact same thing to both people. Both people get the exact same reward. Because the story is about faithfulness to the opportunities, not about which one gets more. And if you're a one-opportunity person, then you'd make the most of that one opportunity, and you're rewarded in the same way as the five-opportunity person who multiplies that with five more opportunities. It's about what you do with what you've been given, and you have to understand, because we get this idea that, that, that we're owners of this stuff owners of it. It's simply on loan. Can I get very, very gut-wrenching honest here, including your children? They're not yours. They belong to God. They're simply on loan to you. Your grandchildren. They're on loan. That's it. That's it. Your spouse on loan. Your stuff on loan. You're just possessing it, and one day you'll give an account for how you dealt with it, how you treated it, how you valued it, whether or not you made the most of it. We're just simply possessors. We're not owners. Second thing you see in a story for those of us who are Christians is this idea that growth's expected. The master comes back expecting something. The master comes back, even from the one guy, he goes, okay, so you think, you think I was really hard-nosed? Then I'll tell you what, why didn't you put it in the bank? Anybody that is in under my employment could have gotten me 6%. You looked at the opportunity and said no and didn't do anything with it, and you actually cost me money. 
You and I have an opportunity here to grow, to stretch, to get outside of our comfort zone. It's interesting when you look at this, um, look at this story, the contrast between the two people. And I hate to go to this illustration because in our, in our American culture with the COVID thing, we have politicized this, and I don't want to politicize this. But I want you to see the difference between the faith of the two guys and the fear of the third guy. Because it'll help you spot in your own life some things that ask you, that help ask yourself um, what you're doing. Notice, the first guy who's got faith and confidence in the honor, he focuses on the profit. The other guy focuses on a loss. I don't want to lose it. I'm afraid to lose it, so I'm going to go hide it. He fears the master. The one guy takes risks. The other guy's risk averse. One guy focuses on the master. How can I get a return for the master? The other guy focuses on himself. I'm afraid of what the master is going to do to me. One guy sees the opportunities. Two guys see the opportunities. You know what? Let's go try this. Let's go see this. And by the way, the text gives the idea these guys worked really hard to get this kind of return. The other guy, all he saw was the problems. Well, you know what? I'll have to manage. I'll spend all kinds of time. And I just go stick it in the ground. One guy invests. One guy wastes. One guy sees this situation as a blessing, a way to please the master. The other guy sees it as a burden. And this is the way that often, as Christians, we can live our lives if we're not careful. So, oh, I'll go back. There we go. So, my question to you is: In your world. How do you live it? Do you, do you live it in a world of faith, taking advantage of your opportunities, or do you live it in a world of not even recognizing it because you're lazy, because you're focused on you, because your life is about you? Yesterday we were coming home, um, and again, I kind of got caught off guard, but uh, we stopped at McDonald's on our way home. Uh, been a long day, hadn't, just eat, hadn't eaten a lot. Grabbed McDonald's away. I pulled up to pay for it, paid for it, and then I got to the next thing where the lady gave it to me. And I asked, I asked the person at the drive-thru the same thing. I said, so how's your day going? <laughs> and again, you know, normally, oh, look, it's okay if you have a small child. This gal unloaded. And she goes, my day was going good until those people, two cars in front of you got here. And she, and she just unloaded. It was like, she did this, and she did this, and she did this. And I'm looking at her going, you know, I'm, I said, I'm sorry. I said, I don't understand. I said, it's not brain surgery. I said, you simply tell people your order, and you guys get it to us. And she goes, I know it's that simple, but this lady could sworn that we should have had fries with it, and she was mad, and, it's, and I told her it was just hot coming off the grill, and that's why she did And she just went on and on and on and on. I said, well, I, I, and as I left, we, she actually was smiling and laughing when I left, because I, I said, you know, I just hope you have a better day than this. I said, you don't have to be treated like this. Opportunity. You waste it, or you use it. You want to be able to stand before God. And you want God to be able to look at you and say, that's so awesome. I gave you opportunities and you used them. Whether it was a cashier, or whether it was some big thing where it's a funeral, or whether it's something where you were able to do something for your family or your spouse. I gave you these opportunities and you used them. So listen, you know what? we got a great party going on for all of eternity. You did an awesome job. Go have fun.
Now you need to know, because you did so well here, I'm going to have more work for you down there. But right now, let's just focus on the celebration. Growth is expected. And God expects us to use our opportunity. Last thing, and this is kind of the, the, the idea, I guess, that, that, that hits me kind of the hardest. And I think whether you're lost or whether you're a Christian, either way, there's a day of accountability coming. You know, as we look at everything happening in our cultures, a lot of people that get all antsy about, you know, was the Lord coming back? And what's the next sign? And what's all that? Here's the bottom line. Like I shared at the beginning of the service. 90 seconds. And somebody else would have been here today. 90 seconds. That's all it would have taken. Every time you drive home, you need to understand. You're six feet away. Every car that passes you going the other way, six feet, and it's over. Then to understand, every time your heart beats, one beat, it's done. Why? Because there's the day of accountability coming. You can focus all you want on the end things. That's awesome. But you know what? You better be focused on the idea, if you stand before God today, the day of accountability is there. Are you ready? What have you done with the opportunities that God gave you? First of all, the opportunity for salvation. Have you put your faith and trust in Jesus Christ? Secondly, if you put your faith and trust in Jesus Christ, here's my question to you. So what are you investing your opportunities in? And so many people, we spend our world investing them in stuff. And I'm not against stuff, but here's the thing. All of the stuff is going to end up in the dump. You know, I love working with glass. I love playing with glass. I love blowing glass. But the reality of it is it's going to end up in a dump one day. That's where it's going to go. And you can invest your life in stuff, and then you've got nothing to show for it because you've wasted opportunity. So I, I like to think of it this way. If I came to you at the end of the service and said, hey, just by the way, I want you to know this, that I have a friend at the IRS, and they have told me that they wanted me to share with you the idea that next year when you do your taxes, <clears throat> you are, have already been chosen for an audit. And so I just want you to know, and the IRS wants you to know, that next year, after you do your taxes, you're going to get a call from the IRS, and they're going to audit you. You're already chosen. It's already determined. Nothing can change it. Now, let me ask you something. How are you going to do your taxes this year? Now, I'm not saying you're, you're deceptive or anything else. I'm saying uh, up until now, you've always done the taxes you basically can. But you know what? I guarantee you, you'll do your taxes different this year. You'll make sure that everything's all ordered out so that when that audit comes, you can go, yeah, here's my pile of receipts for this, and here's my pile of receipts for this. And you may even hire somebody to do it. And you may even have somebody else double-check it. And you may actually go through it and go, okay, I've got everything piled up, and everything's all ready, and all ready for the audit. You turn in your taxes. The IRS calls you and says, hey, we need you to come in for your audit. And you walk in with all of your stuff. Why? You knew it was coming. You're ready for it. You've got all your ducks in a row to the best of your ability. You had somebody else check it. You're ready for an audit. That's okay. There's an audit coming of your life. You cannot escape it. You will face it. And God's going to simply say, what would you do with your opportunity? 
What'd you do with them? Those of you who never put your faith and trust in Christ, you're going to sit there with all kinds of silly excuses. And none of them are going to matter. Because I think personally, Bible doesn't say this, that's just my idea. As you stand before God sitting on the right hand of the throne of God, is Jesus Christ with his nail-pierced hands, and God just simply say, give me a good reason for saying no to him. And at that moment, as in some of these other parables, you will be speechless. Are you ready for that accounting? If you are, for those of you who are Christians, here's my other question for you. What are you investing in that's going to outlast you? What are you investing in that's going to live long past you? If it's stuff, it's going to end up in a dump. If it's people, they're eternal. They will live forever, somewhere. And I want to challenge you because God gives all of us opportunity. Every single day, he gives you opportunity. So make them count. Be able to stand before God on that day of the auditing, that day of accounting, that day of reckoning, and going, Lord, here's what you gave me. Let me show you this. Let me show you this. Lord, let me show you this. You didn't give me that opportunity. Here's what I did with it. As a pastor, I live with that responsibility every time I step into a pulpit. You gave me the opportunity in front of these people. What I do with it? That's why, by the way, the scripture says, be really careful about desiring to be in this position. Because I realize it's a, it's a whole lot, but yet, if God's given me the opportunity, it's my responsibility to do the most that I can with it. Because there's coming a day that I'm going to stand before him, and I've got to be able to say, I did the best I can with the opportunity that you gave me. And that should be the prayer of every one of us, whether you're standing in a pulpit or whether you're driving through McDonald's, to use those opportunities. So I want to encourage you to open your eyes this week to look at the opportunities, because I guarantee you they are everywhere around you. Everywhere. So I close with this. The parable of the talents reminds us that a day of accounting is coming. For some, that will be a day of blessing and joy. For others, it will be a day of agony because you missed opportunities to respond appropriately to Jesus. The parable reminds believers, growth is expected. We are possessors, not owners, of all that God has given us. So may each of us work this week to diligently be a good steward of the opportunities he gives us. Let's pray. Lord, help us. Lord, it's so easy, like that third guy, to get caught up in our world to make it all about us. Lord, would you open our eyes to see that we have an opportunity to teach, to encourage, to be a blessing, to be a help, to share the gospel with the people that you put in front of us. Lord, for those who continue to say no to you, Lord, would you work in their hearts as only you can to help them to see that all you are patient, loving, and long-suffering. There's also a day of accountability coming. So, Lord, may all of us live in light of that this week. And may we walk in here next week having honored and glorified you with the opportunities that you gave us.